You are listening to the Think Brick Australia podcast. Think Brick Australia represents the clay, brick and paver manufacturers of Australia. Brick by Brick, our podcast will discuss technical information and architectural case studies with special guests. I'm your host, Elizabeth McIntyre, the CEO of Think Brick Australia. today's podcast, I'm really excited. I know I normally am when it comes to architects, but this architect I'm talking to today was one of the creative geniuses behind the winner of the Horbury Hunt mm. Residential Award, Andrew Peeber from BE Architecture. Welcome. Thank you. And what we saw in that house was just an amazing return to terracotta brick, but also one of the things I loved about it was just the way that you use the mortar and, and how mm. it sort of was done so differently. But before we get into your winning project and talking about brick and thinking about yes. it, I wondered whether you could talk me through just a little bit of your childhood where you grew up. Yes, so um, I grew up in Griffith, grew in New South Wales, so um, not a high degree of exposure to architectural gems there, but um, I did end up doing architecture for work experience in high school. I was always interested in drawing and Lego, like a lot of, okay. a lot of kids are, and yeah, just, that just sort of stemmed into that, and I enjoyed it, and it just stuck and followed through. Yeah. And how did you like, I mean, I'm just always curious, how did you sort of get exposed to like architecture as a profession? Were your parents, did they know people, or how did that kind of... No, there wasn't a lot there. My parents were very house proud though. Okay. Um, so I think that might have sort of stemmed that. My brother did China painting, oh, things wow. like that. So I think there's a whole lot of little bits and pieces that sort of come together. And I don't know, I think you just subconsciously pick up on a few things and you get a bit of an artistic eye or appreciation and things. So, um, yeah. And so you chose that, and then where did you go to university? So I went to University of New South Wales in mm-hmm. Sydney. Yes. And did my degree up there. That's obviously that's where it all sort of really started kicking off. Moving away from home and going to a capital city, and you're sort of thrown in the deep end of meeting people and learning things and seeing a lot more architecture there than, than I was used to. So it was, yeah, it was good. And yeah. I guess just from not being exposed to so much, mm. in your words, not mine, in mm. Griffith, but yes. how did sort of university? impact you just from was it what you expected about architecture completely not right to be honest with you it took me a couple of years to really get better down into it i get it now at the time a lot of it was trying to train you to rethink about things or how to do things in a different way Mm -hmm. but at the time it was very vague couldn't see where it was going and it probably took me till about my third year where i had a design tutor that was also practicing doing quality architecture doing all three, not just someone at a university and not just someone practising, someone that did everything that sort of showed how you can connect those dots and make something that was a bit more meaningful or sort of stuck with me a bit and I thought, okay, I quite like this, I can understand how I can make this work. And Um, so coming from Griffith and then arriving in Sydney, were there any architects that you admired before you went to university? Well, not a lot and also when I was at uni, everything was still books were in the library, internet wasn't really a thing, so... Like the exposure of things now, it is so instant and international. So you really had to seek out visual imagery of, That's right. of things like that or hope that your tutor would put you on the right track of certain architects. So I think it wasn't until I started getting introduced and, you know, our work that we do is quite restrained. Mm. Uh, and it wasn't until I started seeing work like that, you know, some of those more minimalists like John Pawson or, you know, the greats like Mies van der Rohe, which everyone knows from someone I'd never seen that before. Mm. Uh, you sort of go, oh, wow, this is interesting. And it's quite funny. I look at it now 
And then I go back home and you see all these little modernist 60s houses back in Griffith. You go, oh, actually, I don't mind that now. At the time, <laughs> I didn't appreciate it. But yeah, yeah, there's some houses there that I quite like. So it, yeah, it was a slow burn. But as soon as you start seeing those things and seeing what's out there, mm. yeah, good and the bad, you sort of start to find what, well, for me, I found what I started to like. Mm. and just started following that. And mm. what happens after you finish university? What do you do then? Did you go overseas? No, I worked for a little bit in Sydney and then I moved to Melbourne. And my wife, she was a winemaker mm-hmm. by trade and so moving to Melbourne, there was a vibrant architectural scene here. Mm-hmm. You know, Theoretically, you could live in Melbourne and commute to a wine region. So I thought, bugger it, let's, didn't know anyone, let's move down here and um, just started working here in Melbourne and after about a year or so, I was knocking on the door of B Architecture, trying to get a you know, bit yeah. of interview, bit of interview here, yeah. And finally, they they said, "Oh, yeah, all right, you start." Because I, I liked the work that they did. Right. Okay. Um, it wasn't a case of going to recruitment agencies then and going, "Here's my CV, find one." It was a case of seeking out what you like and getting yeah. a job. And just I think found you know like-minded people. Yeah, Broderick and John, my partners now. Yeah, there's this particular style of architecture that we do. We look at older buildings a lot. Mm. It's not the new things out there. We'll look at an old Catalan church or it could be an old building in, you know, church in Europe or an old farmhouse in Italy. It's all these older things that we're looking at. We're sort of looking at a fine-grained type of detail or feeling that you get. Yeah. And these are conversations that we have and you put that with a bit more of a reduced style of architecture, a pared-back style of architecture and how do you put that together? What feeling do you get? How do you make buildings that are relevant now but feel a bit older? Um, yeah. And we don't know, we just got along well and had a similar likeness of things. We all, you know, we all like different things to a degree, but we could put all that together and yeah. I'm just curious, just before you came here, what sort of work were you involved in? Was it always, always residential? Always residential. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'd always, that's what I'd always liked. Yep. Commercial was never on my radar. Okay. Um, yeah, I think there's something much more direct with a home. And doing it now, I know there is nowhere to hide. You've got a big responsibility. I honestly believe. And there'll be others that don't do residential that'll say the same as theirs. But I do believe it's hard doing a home for someone. There's a lot at stake. If you make a mistake, they're waking up with that mistake every day. So <laughs> Can yeah. you tell me a little bit about one of your early projects that you either, I guess, look back and that really kind of maybe had a few defining moments for you, good or bad? There was one house, and it's probably 15 years old now. It's um, in Tivoli Road in South Yarra, and it's this bluestone building that we did. And it was on this small site in a city and it was on this corner and there was all these period homes and we were able to do a new building there and we decided to cut it all in this blue stone and it was like a good way to book in the building and I won't go into the design of it all but it was this building where we really were able to push what we do with the material we're very materials focused mm-hmm. we probably do here and it's not for the sake of it it's just a case of saying okay well the building needs to be built out of something what should it be what's it saying or how's the building shape informing the material you use mm-hmm. or vice versa we're very focused on that and it was one where we flooded this building in this blue stone and we dealt with the stone in a particular way that we laid it and it had this pattern that went in and out and it was this we had these conversations where what can we do with this form how can we challenge it we made some spans that felt a little bit uncomfortable on purpose or a bit awkward. And it was this conversations that how can you make something that's challenging, not being awkward, not being a problem for someone to live with, but you can push it, you can have the conversation. And I think that was a defining one in that point of having the conversation mm. as opposed to just doing, yes, workshopping it, questioning it, going back. If something is a bit convoluted or didn't work, yeah, go back and revisit it and get it right. And it was a very particular house, but it was also one that I suppose sticks with me because we mm. pushed a lot of aspects of it and I was exposed to doing that. And yes. It was just enjoyable. Yeah. And I guess 
just concentrating solely on residential, what yeah. have you learned as an architect about how you approach the client? With respect is the first thing, because mm. sometimes it can be very easy. You could have a conversation for an hour about a door handle mm. with a client. And sometimes you think, my goodness, if you look at your billable rates and things like that, that hour long conversation about a door handle, yeah. you know, it doesn't really stack up. But, you know, that's important to them, for example, that. And so I think you have to learn, yeah, there's a lot of money. For them, it's probably the first and only time they're going to spend that investment. I guess that's why I ask, because a lot of people say, you know, like, I mean, the approach to commercial is different from dealing with someone that's, yeah, it's a personal, it's emotional, yeah. it's, yeah, yeah it's their, yeah, exactly. their money. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, it's not our house, it's their house. Mm-hmm. So, and I think we're very conscious of we all like different things. It doesn't really matter what we like. Mm-hmm. It's really what do they like. It's not a case of going, you're like, this is what you're going to get. But it's a case of trying to tease out from them what it is they like and how do we filter that into a more coherent result for them. Mm-hmm. That is something that can just be lovely and balanced to live in. Something that at the end of the day, they can feel, yes, it is mine. I have sort of in some way partially designed this. That's right. And then we can also look at it going, yes, you have, but it's also something that sits proudly against all our other houses and it's got its own distinct identity Mm. and stuff like that. So, yeah. Now, before this, I mean, you've used brick quite a few times. Yes. So I'm just going to ask generally why brick? Why that material? I'm probably not going to be the first or the last to say it, but there is something so honest about the brick. Someone has to lay it. So when you look at it and there's 500 bricks on a wall, 500 bricks have been laid. I think there's something that just with the brick, it's not a showy material. There's something honest about it. It's been used forever. I think we love even with a lot of the bricks we use. Some can be textured. They can be rumbled and they can feel old and you might lay it in a very crisp way and all of a sudden you've got something that's new, but it just feels a little bit older, a bit more relaxed, I suppose. It's not... There's something that's not precious about the brick. So and we like to think none of our homes feel sort of prissy or precious. Yeah. You know, they're thought about. They're certainly not they're not lazy, but the house should feel sort of effortless. And, you know, bricks can allow you to do that. You can do a lot with the texture and the colour and how you lay it. So all important. On both, I guess, the Clifton House and mm-hmm. Anderson Road, like you've yeah. utilised... Uh, probably let's talk a little bit about Clifton House first because mm-hmm. you've really there utilised this thinner brick. Yep. Maybe if you could talk a little bit about the design aspect of that. So with the Clifton one, it's quite interesting. There was an existing little cottage at the front mm-hmm. and it was on a corner and the exposed, what would it be, that hawthorn brown, that deep chocolate mm-hmm. brown brick. And it had all the decorative corners and trims were done in this contrasting, like sandy tone colour brick. And in doing this extension... There was a heritage response. We had to try and create an argument for why we're doing what we're doing and mm-hmm. try to be respectful for that. And so as soon as we were talking about using brick, all of a sudden everyone just sort of tends to relax and go, great. So there's a, you know, a lovely crafted building at the front that already exists and you're going to create a new crafted building. Great, good, go for it type thing. But for us it was a case of going, well, what's it going to be? It needed to feel a bit more lighter than the dark brown brick. And so we tied into that light colour of the trim of the old one mm-hmm. and did this whole new building in this soft sand toned coloured brick, but the form itself is quite simplified. It's quite deep and monolithic. I mean, quite often we use the brick. Yes, it's a particular unit, but we don't like looking at the brick that way. It's very much about it trying to recede. So when you stand back and look at it, that's why we lay the bricks. They're never the normal stack bond pattern or brick bond pattern. It's always a staggered random coursing of it. The mortar is always sort of colour matched as best we can. So you sort of get this more patchwork, softer, effect of the brick and you're not reading each one you're just reading this wall Mm. of something so 
yeah, it's something we're quite conscious of. And then how we detail, you know, parapets and, and sills and things because um, we like our things to look very reduced down. So how do we mill out bricks so that we can cover lintels and make it yes. look like the bricks are returning in and all these details that go with it. Yeah. And so that really dovetails beautifully into Anderson Road. And yeah. I think also one of the effects that really impressed the jury was just sort of the use of the mortar and, mm. and I guess having that. So could you maybe just talk me through that design? So it's yeah. An, yeah, it's an interesting one. And the red brick, it wasn't we had a want to do this red brick building. Mm-hmm. It really stemmed from the client's brief. So Malaysian and Sri Lankan heritage yes. and their visual brief, it was rich. It was vibrant. It wasn't like this white gallery, mm-hmm. lot of imagery. It wasn't primary blues and reds and yellows either, but everything mm-hmm. just had a saturation to it. Even the landscaping images were always verdant and green. And there was always this intensity to what they were liking. And, you know, we started looking at some old buildings and, even the beautiful old red Jaipur stone that you see in India, this sort of deep red, this dustiness. And we thought, oh, geez, there's a lovely sort of little link there. How do we tap into someone's heritage there? Mm. Non-Australian heritage. Yeah. But we're in Australia. Yeah. How do we do that? And then we sort of found these lovely terracotta toned bricks and we thought, wow, isn't that interesting? This run-of-the-mill, well, I shouldn't say run-of-the-mill, they're beautiful bricks. But, you know, <laughs> what you expect is this pressed red brick that you see everywhere in every second house in Australia. It's mm. uniquely Australian. How can we actually use that and have something that feels like it reflects someone else's heritage? Mm. So it could be Southeast Asian, it could be European, it could be Australian. So we really started revolving it around this red brick. And when we played with the mortar colouring, we tried very hard to colour match that mortar as best as we could. Yeah, so I just I, yeah. I want to stick on that because I yeah. always have a saying that mortar matters. And oh, hundred percent. Completely can change. You yeah. know, one of the things yeah. we get queries about is mm. people will go to say like a, a studio uh, or a you know a practice wall, and it'll be this mortar, and they forget to spec it yeah. when they're going yeah. out to yeah. build, yeah. and then they'll do a different colour mortar, and it's a completely different yeah. wall. Yeah. So how did you come to that? So we really wanted to amp up that saturation that intensity of it so it wasn't a fluke there was probably about five or six sample walls after about five or six little portions of of examples of it uh, until we got it right but the whole point it wasn't just in finding the right mortar that was its best match to the brickwork as we could it was also in how we were striking it Mm -hmm. so the bricks they were rumbled and a little bit rough Mm -hmm. and what we wanted to do is we wanted that mortar to find its way into the little edge nooks and crannies, but we didn't want it to smear over the face. So with this fine balance of the poor guys, they were so patient. They were laying the bricks and they weren't even trailing it off yet. They were just sort of lightly cleaning it up, but they were leaving the mortar on there. And then it just got hard enough with a block. They sort of scraped it off or tore it off. So it was still just wet enough that it wouldn't take the whole face of it off and it would still find the nooks and crannies, but it was enough that we could get this smooth... On paper, like it's this flush building. The mortar is dead flush with the face of the bricks. Mm. None of it's acid washed because we wanted to keep it all, all just clean on there. So it was a lot of trial and error. Yeah. And when you were working through with that with the brick layers, like, could you describe how their action? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, we're, we're lucky. They'd done. Um, they'd worked for us before for a builder that we'd worked with before. So mm-hmm. I don't think they were walking into this blind just going there's the sand and, and cement and there's the bricks we're just going to go for it they knew there was going to be a little bit of trial and error involved mm-hmm. so they, they were very patient i think but like anything better to have the conversations early mm. and get it all right then the last thing you'd want to do is turn up and go oh that's not what i thought or what i, I was mm. expecting 
yeah. got to go again. Yeah. So it's just communicating what you want to do. Was it a case though of like once they understood what you were trying to achieve and, and yeah. you did that sort of test, were they then fine to just oh, fine. Yeah. Move, move on with the rest of it? Yeah, yes. exactly right. It was really discussed going, okay, this is our benchmark. We know how we're doing it. Mm. And then they just sort of roll through. They know what to expect. They've sort of systemised it to a point from there. Yeah. They're, they're comfortable with it at that point. But it looked like it was red dust everywhere on that right. site okay. for months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, any other sort of surprises or challenges that came up with this project that you didn't expect? Well, we're quite lucky. Um, not necessarily a challenge. It was a positive thing. Probably not a challenge for us, a challenge for the brickmakers, yes. guys that were doing the bricks because we wanted curved bricks for this job. We've got mm-hmm. these two... We've got a very large dominant column at the front of the facade. We've got this curved fireplace out the back. So trying to create curved bricks and pushing the envelopes of their moulds and what they can do, that was a challenge for them, not for us. (laughs) That worked out well. And even creating custom sill bricks and things like that. Probably the challenge is going, it's great we just got the brick, but we've got all these other details we need to do. We've got to be able to waterproof something. We've got to be able to, you know, deal with the sill or deal with the corner. How do we do that? So in being able to sort of push it and create some custom profiles, it sort of made the building fundamentally normal to build. Yeah. 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 And I'm just also curious because it is a building that is quite geometric. Yeah. And and I just wondered, where did that come from? Is that your interpretation or is that...? Well, it's it's interesting because it actually, it's very simple forms, but in plan Mm -hmm. the building actually sort of ducks and weaves and moves around a fair bit Mm -hmm. as as you work through it. With a lot of our buildings... We don't generally tend to have the house at the front with the front door down the middle, mm. open it and walk down, you've got rooms either side. Mm-hmm. We actually quite like journeying past our buildings and we sort of enter a little bit further along more in the middle and this house is no different. You sort of walk past this garage structure at the front of the building and you're seeing the brick where you can touch it if you want. It's right mm. next to you, you've got this lovely pond and it's taking you to this large, very imposing facade with this large circular column. The whole point of that is not just saying we're making a same with a round column, it's just a case of saying... Just pause for a minute. It sort of it arrests you. It sort of makes you to stop and go. All right, it's it's staging you and it's leading you and it's journeying you into the building. So it's more lots of conversations about how do you experience the building yes. as opposed to saying we just want to make a statement. Let's do it. And so these are cues to help do that. And because you know one of the things that we don't see a lot, but we're seeing more of, is obviously what you've done with the brick internally yeah. as well. Yeah. And it, again, was that just part of your response to the brief? Or well, there is brick inside. The building, it's tempered where it's used. Where you enter, there's this large two-storey space with a stair that's all lined in concrete, surrounded in this brickwork foyer, if you want to call it that. And there's something that feels quite, in a good way, I'm going to say, quite public. Not public that people can see you, Mm. but it feels like, okay, this is a public part of the house. Yes. And we've used it out the back in the living spaces as well. So it's a lovely way to sort of define bedrooms and those other more private parts of the building to these other public areas that open up and it feels almost someone said it in a good way it's like oh geez it feels like one of those beautiful old schools that you go to and I go yeah it does in a good way it does so um it's more that sort of public it's all primary finish that was the other thing that we wanted to do we really wanted to limit the use there's no white in this house no even the plasterboard has got this sort of clay colored sandy finished paint it's got all this movement in it and so we're very conscious of giving everything a value and when you've got these areas where you've got brick and oak on the floor and these clay-coloured ceilings and things and concrete, mm. there's something very primal about those finishes and mm. textural and, yeah, it's just enjoyable, yeah. Just before we go on to a few different other things, I just wondered, this you've obviously entered the awards a couple of times now. What's your experience with the Think Brick Awards and how are they different to others? 
I think the great thing about these awards is that it does champion a building material. Like it's a focused award, if you want to call it that. Mm. It's not all things to all people. It is really good about saying if you've done something in brick and it doesn't have to be loud, it doesn't have to be wacky or crazy, mm. but if you've done something in brick or in clay roof tiles or any of those things, if you've done something that you think is championing a material, that's a lovely conversation to have. The other mm. conversations we have, how do you champion material? Mm. And if you've got something that does that, then there's an avenue to enter it. Mm. Uh, as opposed to getting lost in some of the other programs where it is all things to all people. So, yes. Yeah. 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 And, Andrew, where do you get some of your creative inspiration? I mean, I know when I speak to a lot of architects, sometimes, you know, they tell me that it's not always just about looking at buildings. Yeah. What is it for you? Well, for myself personally, a lot of it is really about the process of things. So and I'm only speaking for myself, not my partners mm-hmm. here, but it's like I, I enjoy cooking a lot and... I regularly sort of listen to, you know, chefs from overseas and the processes that they do and how they're trying to reinterpret an old idea in a more relevant contemporary way or a dish or something like that. And forget that it's cooking, but Mm. the fact that someone's saying, okay, there's an idea of something old, Mm. it's good, it's great, it's tested, it's tried and true, everyone likes it, but is there another way to do it that, that is appropriate, that's relevant for now? And I think that conversation in an architectural sense is an extremely relevant conversation to have. So if we're doing this new project or when we do a renovation to a period home, just because there's old cornices and details in there, half of them aren't original anyway. So let's take them out and let's not square set and make it a modern building. It's not a modern building, it's an old building. Mm. So the question goes to the conversation of what is appropriate? How do we reinterpret something in a current way that still feels like it's acknowledging things of the old mm-hmm. and then we do it in a way that we go well we don't have to be as cluttered with what we do and how do we pair it back to the fundamentals and do something that's a bit more restrained and a bit more clear in its message and and i guess one of the reasons this project won was because we're always looking as a jury as to what people are doing with the material and how they're making those sort of changes what have been your observation about where brick has come from over the last sort of decade in design i think it's much more accepted now as it's not just, say, a volume build material. I think there's a lot of different ways that it's used now. I think there's a lot of examples local and internationally of how bricks can actually make something that is, um, you know, just a highly considered end result. It doesn't have to be an expensive material to do so. Mm. But I think a lot more contemporary buildings now are challenging how they're being used. Mm. And I think in questioning how to detail certain things in a more contemporary way you can sort of see buildings and go wow that that is really striking it's really interesting i think what the brick does it also inherently gives texture to Mm -hmm. a building you can have very simple form and it could be rendered you can have very simple form it could be brick same shape uh, completely different buildings and the feeling you get and what you take away from it is completely different so i think you do get something there that you just don't get out of other materials and as i probably mentioned earlier it's that relaxed honesty to it there's a humbleness to it that's just really, well, for us, it's really appealing, yeah. With um, all the discussions around, obviously, climate and buildings and performance of buildings, where do you see the role of architects in that? We do talk about this a lot. Even clients go, what are your ESD principles when they're <laughs> sort of getting interviewed? And I think the biggest thing that we say about it is we do a whole lot of things that we integrate in our buildings, but it's not a look at me way of doing it. I think the biggest responsibility we've got is building a building that doesn't have to get torn down in five or ten years' time. It should be designed well. It should be built properly. The materials used should be robust and honest enough 
like if it's a fake material and you're applying a fake finish on something, chances are that fake thing's probably going to fall apart. So mm. I think older buildings stand the test of time for a reason. Yeah. It's not to say if there's problems with an old way of building, you should bring that forward. I mean, that's what advancements and, and what we're doing now mm. are for. Insulate your buildings better, do all these things. But yeah, I think the biggest thing is just building it properly last yeah it's interesting we did um a students series yeah. and i thought just where architectural students were approaching things saying you don't need to rip things down anymore mm. i think we want to look at how we could enhance them like yeah. you were saying before yeah. and build some parts but not necessarily take away everything and start yeah. again so yeah it's an interesting conversation exactly i mean sometimes that is the only answer oh, absolutely um but yeah i think it's probably harder for us because we are a younger country as well you know, you see these lovely, beautiful old buildings overseas and gorgeous Instagram Im- images where people work around it. We sort of don't have as much of that, so it's harder to do here. But it probably also says when there's something worth keeping as well, geez, you really should maybe keep it. You might get a richer result mm-hmm. for it. Well, thank you, Andrew. And thank you for everything that you've done to showcase the product. Now, we're thank just you. going to, to showcase bricks. We're going to go through the rapid right. fire round question, all right? Yes. Yep. Any answers are acceptable. <laughs> Reading the news, a newspaper or online? I'll give you both. Newspaper on the lazy weekend, online during the week. Same. Yes. Handwriting or typing? Handwriting. Yep. For sketching ideas and concepts, would you use a pencil, pen, or e-pen? Whatever is closest. It could be a fluoro marker. It is whatever is within reach, yes. Do you like to read books or listen to audio books? Read books. What's important to you, style or substance? I'm Italian, so it's style. Yeah. <laughs> coffee or tea? I'm Italian, so it's coffee. TV shows or movies? Unfortunately, I've got more TV shows now. I've got limited limited headspace. One thing goes in, one thing goes out. So, yeah, TV shows are the easy option. Also, you know. I've oh, been, you know, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, docuseries. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, Calibre's raised. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Antique or brand new? I think there is something nice about, I think you need to be selective with what they are, but antiques, if you can curate something that feels like it's evolved over time and you haven't just gone to one shop to buy it, there's a lovely richness to that. Mm-hmm. Call or text? Old school call. Travel back in time or into the future? Jeez, I'm sounding very dowdy. You travel back in time. Yeah, <laughs> I want to wear the skinny 60s suits and have my martinis. So, yeah. <laughs> Exterior or interior? For the way we go about doing both in our practice, yeah. that's a hard one because I would say both, both. But I think push comes to shove, you are inside your building a lot of the time. So put a good bit of focus on that So what we were saying one. before, if there's a mistake, you're waking up. To yeah, that's day. right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Video games or board games? Board games. Form or function? Ooh. I would say, okay, the building should always have to function first. But the challenge is, is how do you make it, you know, how do you deal with the form to make it look like it's not just about that function? So, yeah. Absolutely. And I think I know the answer to the last one, complex or simple. Simple, hands down. Andrew, thank you very, very much for taking time out and congratulations on what you've done with Brick. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please follow, rate and review our podcast. We are always looking for new ways to think brick. If you have an idea of what you'd like to hear about, there's a link in our show notes to let us know.